Welcome to season two of Steam Up the Classroom. I'm Tori Cameron, your host, and today we have an incredible episode for you. Um, our first episode of season two with Ben Newsom. He's calling all the way in from Sydney, Australia, and he is the host of the Physics Ed podcast, and he also is the founder of Phys- Physics Education. So welcome, Ben. Glad, glad, glad to have you. Um, have <laughs> been here on this podcast. I really am looking forward to this. I mean, thanks for uh, joining me on the weekend too. Yeah, um, it is my Saturday night and your Sunday morning, which is pretty cool. Um, And we're actually recording two different episodes today, which I think is pretty awesome. You're recording on my podcast and I'm recording on your podcast. So it's something different, isn't it? It's maybe the fun too. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I'm actually a little nervous to go on your podcast because I don't usually go on the other end. I did um, a podcast a few months ago, the STEM, STEM Everyday podcast, and um, it was a, a combined episode where we kind of interviewed each other, and it was it was interesting to be on the other side and have to think like an interviewee instead of an interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Uh, it is a bit of fun, but I mean, uh, um, my headspace is like like steam up the classroom, doing some wicked stuff, and um, I mean, I definitely want to have a chat with you. And I know we've been hanging out on um, Twitter a bit, actually. Yeah. On Thursday nights, Eastern Australian time, which would be what's that Wednesday morning, I suppose for you. Um, so no, Thursday morning, bright and uh, early, six thirty a.m. for me. Six thirty a.m. You'd think I'd remember these time zone things, but I never remember it. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's on the primary STEM chat, which is awesome uh, job that gets done by uh, Rachel Lair out of Western Australia, and that's how, by the way, we met. And um, lots of STEM stuff that gets talked about weekly. And so I just wanted to find out what you know you, you yourself, Tori, would, would want to do. So look, thanks very, very much for having me on. Yeah, and um, thanks for coming online. So um, so let's get into it. Tell, tell everyone about yourself and how you started physics education. And please feel free to toot your horn and pump your tires. Oh, gosh. Uh, Don't hold back. <laughs> well, I'll... I'll, I'll... I'll, uh, we'll probably think if I'm, I'll try to pump the tires up, I might go only half pressure perhaps. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, my name's Ben Newsom. Um, I, yeah, I'm a science educator. I used to be a science teacher in high schools, um, and have the last few years been doing physics education. Now straight up, we can't spell. I know <laughs> it's just what you, anyway, so physics, F I Z Z I C S F I Z Z I C S education. Um, so for since 2004, we've been running science education programs um, right across Eastern Australia um, and recently just set up in San Diego, uh, just doing science to kids in any way, shape or form. Um, and late, lately, it's been quite a lot. So uh, we run programs into you know, elementary, middle school types as well as high school. Uh, currently, we work with about six to 700 schools a year. Uh, we've worked out that it's about 350,000 students a year now. It's getting pretty crazy. Uh, so wow. we have staff in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Canberra, and San Diego. And we do science programs right from the very young, so like preschool age, uh, all the way through to year 12. And actually beyond, beyond that, we actually do work with adults in retirement homes, hospitals, oh, juvenile justice centers, and remand centers. We, we, our headspace is uh, get science out there in any way, shape, or form, and we have a lot of fun doing it. 
That's so cool. What made you guys think to do uh, the older crowd, the retirement homes and going into hospitals and everything? What, what caused you guys to want to branch out to that? Um, someone asked us. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, like, it was just like, hey, uh, so um, for example, retirement homes, uh, I actually did my first retirement home, not face to face, but actually via video conference. Uh, there's a large uh, group of retirement homes out of Ohio off the top of my head. I'll probably get this wrong. It's either Ohio or Wisconsin or something like that. Uh, and they were saying, look, we'd love to just connect with you from a point of view of like, what's it like being in Australia? Um, so we do a lot of programs for the Center for Interactive Learning and Collaboration. So go check out CILC.org. And in there, there are roughly 300 different museums, zoos, aquariums, all those sorts of things that do science or art or history or something to the public via video conference. And the retirement homes actually use that as a resource. And so they reached out to us and... I said, yeah, sure, that's fantastic. I mean, if anything, it actually worked out time zone wise because they want to do their connections after dinner. And so mm-hmm. like their 8.30 at night thing to do. And I'm like going fantastic because normally with the time zones, uh, trying to work, work a program out, especially to uh, Central or East Coast in the, in the US, uh, it usually works out with me doing programs at 4 a.m. in the morning. Not kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh. I was like, yeah, totally. I'll hundred percent have my breakfast and I'll connect with you. And they were like, yeah, this works for us. Uh, so yeah, we started doing that. And then the, um, the programs that go out to uh, outreach programs, so, so to speak, are, we don't really approach places. People tend to approach us. So it's a lot of fun, especially going out to hospitals to work with people. Um, really just to put a smile on the face in some ways. Um, Though I must admit, uh, not so much adult. It's usually adult and child, usually in a, a children's um, hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. So often, like parents' days and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, I mean, I must say the most of our work we do is in, specifically in schools. Oh, wow. And I also see that you guys do parties and you do after school and you do vacation or um, holiday programming. You guys are very busy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy busy. Um, it, I, I think I suppose um, we're post a child for ADHD. Um, and <laughs> I suppose, but the, um, to be honest, we just want to get science out there. So science, we actually started in science parties. Uh, so way, so I mean, uh, way back 14 odd years ago when we started, um, I knew that no one knew, would know who I was or certainly know much about physics at all. So we did know that, uh, science parties are a lot of fun and there was something yeah. to do every weekend while we were you know, building the stuff that we do in schools. So, um, I, I must've done about 700 parties or something like that and slowly wow. grew it into um, having some people to help me out. Uh, nowadays we run uh, four or 500 parties a year. Uh, that's with hands-on science parties through the dinosaur parties or space science parties. The forensics one's a lot of fun too. Uh, oh the idea is, is that, um, I mean, yeah, you can have a clown or a jumping castle and those are valid. Those are good things, fun things to do. Uh, but there is a group of people that would want to have, you know, something with a little bit more rigor, but it'd still be the fun as well. I mean, who's going to not like liquid nitrogen ice cream or making giant right? or slime or... <laughs> I would want it for my own birthday. (laughs) Actually, we have had had people do that. We actually, strangely, and I didn't run this one, but someone actually even asked for a hen's night. It was a bit of a different thing. What's Um, a hen's night? A hen's night, like, you know, um, like the big, I don't know what you call it. Uh, Like, uh, it's kind of like the... um, like I suppose like a stag's night for, for women. The idea being that the, it's like just before you're married. Oh, like your bachelor party? Like before you're already married? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cool. It was yeah something different. Um, but the, the, oh, that's the, fun. <laughs> the, 
the fun thing about uh, running those particular parties is it's not actually frivolous. What it actually does is um, our new staff as they come on, uh, it gives them a chance to run um, uh, science in an informal setting and practice classroom management, if anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know how we're used to looking after kids and we want to make sure they're, you know, they're listening to you and you're listening to them and you've got you know, a, a fruitful lesson. Uh, doing that in a science party where kids are hyped up on sugar and there's stuff <laughs> happening, there's color and everything else. I mean, and all, more importantly, there's that you know, narrative of make sure it's fun. You're not the teacher. You're there to help, but you're not the teacher. Mm -hmm. um, means that to keep everything upbeat, but also maintain control requires a lot of skill. And it means yeah. that our staff often spend time doing science parties first before they go to schools because we want them to be able to be fun and upbeat and all that sort of stuff without coming across as an ogre <laughs> in that's, the classroom. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. It, and to be, besides that, it becomes, we get to let our hair down. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. It's yeah. A, so did you guys, well, did you see a need for um, like science ed outreach? Or did you just kind of fall into the party thing and, and then it just built and snowballed on its own? No, the, um, I, I see what you're saying. The, it was actually a genuine need for outreach. Um, my headspace and, and from observing um, you know, schools when, back when I was a teacher was um, it's all well and good to have all the resourcing, all the rest when you're in a high school. Because, yeah, I'm a high school science teacher. Uh, however, in elementary school, especially, um, and I mean, we call it primary school here in Australia, uh, mm -hmm. you might have all good intentions, but not actually have any resources, really, with the budgeting yeah. and everything else. And so doing the science parties was just part of beginning to collect resources that could be then brought into schools with curriculum links and all the rest. Uh, so the idea was is that, you know, science outreach hundred percent was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and I just see outreach as how do I get science out to any place um, irrespective of their background, location, whatever. Uh, so that's where we started with. That's where we went, went, went to. And now we, <laughs> now it works out that we do nearly 5,000 programs a year. Wow. Wow. Did you ever think that it would, grow like like it has i feel like i mean wow i'm just i'm so impressed obviously like we had known each other on twitter and everything but i had no idea how quite of quite i had no idea that you were such a science god <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> no, like, yeah, like, yeah, your horn like this is incredible i am i am in awe and i just think that talk about following your dreams and doing what you love. Like you're, you're the epitome of that. And that's so incredible. And, and clearly you're doing it right because it's growing and people are interested. You know, if you were, like you said, an ogre or something like that, no one would want to have um, this outreach, but you, you and your staff must be so incredible because when I was checking out what you guys do and I was um, like researching you guys, I saw that you've been on like the Today Show or like the Australian version of the Today Show because we have the Today Show in the um, US mm -hmm. too. And like you've done so many different programs all over and just even now that you're in San Diego, you said like that's, that's incredible. And it's not everyone could be able to do that. And the fact that you have such goals and, and such enthusiasm for science and, and trying to bring it to basically every corner that you possibly can bring it to over like, I mean, 
all over Australia, but now you're going to new continents and everything. So who knows, you'll be going to all corners of the earth soon. But um, like, I mean, kudos to you. That's amazing. Uh, th- uh, thanks. I mean, I mean, it's been certainly, I mean, I mean you know, the, the old, it's been a bit of a journey. <laughs> cliche but yeah. you know, it kind of it kind of has um my headspace has always been don't limit anything uh it, and to be honest i still don't know where we're going I, my our headspace is let's just do fun stuff um all i wanted to do was create a, an environment that um was compelling for students and also kind of fun for us as staff to do i mean i didn't want to have a space where you know that you you kind of hear about you know, you know those, uh, those workplaces where you know people just don't want to rock up and they're just watching the clock to leave. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not the case. I mean, uh, we okay. The way, way it works, we have like a oh, twenty-eight people or something here working here now, um, and the idea is is that uh, irrespective of what the person's position in the company and what they do or where their location is. Uh, we want people to be able to not only just uh, do programs into schools or wherever libraries or somewhere, um, but also what do you want to do? What do you want to create in your time when you're not face to face with students? So that's where it's kind of fun because I want people to actually, you know, you know, explore their passions and actually do something about their passions, not just talk about it. So maybe yeah. that's, what has helped us grow along the way? I'm not too sure. I mean, and maybe the idea of not having very specific goals beyond, hey, what's coming up next? So, for example, uh, when we went to San Diego, um, and it's only, I must say, San Diego is only a couple months old. We've only really just started uh, in 2018. That's <laughs> all it is at this point. But that came out of um, a past staff member who did fantastic work uh, a few years ago whilst working in Australia, and she just simply ran out of visa. Um, so she was from the US, she was from California. And um, so she went back um, home and we've been con- conversing back and forth about the idea of like, wouldn't it be cool if we just kind of started something up there? Because she's kind of missed actually working for physics over here. Uh, and I kind of said, well, let's do it then. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my headspace, and it doesn't matter about, it doesn't have to be about business. It could be about whatever place that you're working is don't limit yourself. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean let, let's talk a little bit more about california too so what what are your goals for california are you are you hoping to grow even more from there um or is it just something that she's taken on and she's kind of like running wild with it um and seeing how how it grows hoping you know that it grows the way it hasn't um Australia, like, what are your plans for it? Um, Jeanette's um, very open to this idea of going, look, let's just see what people want us to do. Uh, so uh, delivering programs into schools, either via video conference or by turning up in person will be certainly part of it. And doing all the science parties and all the vacation care programs, all that sort of stuff, just like here. Um, the idea being that um, we won't limit what that might be. I mean, initially, we're, we'll be down in San Diego doing lots of stuff down in the uh, Orange County and whatnot. But um, one of the reasons that physics has done what it's done so far is that we have a rule of try not to say no. So for example, um, we, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a a program opportunity where for whatever reason, I can't remember what the reason was, but there was a, in uh, uh, South Africa, a, there's a major event called SciFest Africa and uh, all these schools and presenters go to run these programs. And a couple of weeks out, uh, for whatever reason, the presenter wasn't able to attend. And um, they contacted us going, please help us. Can you come, or, come across? We've got a thousand students to do stuff. We've got TV cameras. We've got all this stuff going on. Can you come play? And we said, okay. 
we'll come play. <laughs> we'll jump what? on. That's we so go. cool. So, and we did the similar thing when we went to, into China, running science clubs for six months over there in um, uh, Guangzhou. Uh, the same thing was, hey, we want to run a science club for preschools for a few months, for six months. Went, okay, well, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah. so for the California outreach side, I mean, it is a separate business. It's Phys Education in USA. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's meant to have the same pedigree of just, hey, what does the world want us to do? And yeah. do it. <laughs> hey, earlier I said that you guys were in two continents, but you have reached four. So you really are reaching all corners of the earth at this point. I mean, <laughs> that's so cool. Talk about opportunities, right? Never did you think when you decided to become a teacher, did you ever think that you would be, you know, doing this all no, over everywhere? No. I mean, I must say I was incredibly privileged. I, um, when I was a, a teacher, I came across a program uh, run by a, a national science agency called the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization called CSIRO. Massive group with six, six and a half thousand odd scientists doing all sorts of science in every different industry, but they also had an outreach team. I was lucky enough to work in that outreach team for a couple of years. And uh, so I kind of got to get my head around how do you put things in boxes and go to places <laughs> and do things. Uh, yeah. So that from there i was able to go you know what i'd love to see what i could do for myself i mean i at the time i was i was helping design some of those programs and things uh but the i really wanted to see what i could help create on my own steam because the in every any government um organization uh, there becomes particular limits on what you are allowed to or able to do based on budgets and uh, certain requirements of that agency. Uh, whereas if you're doing your own thing, you can do whatever you want. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I'm kind of not, not, not one to be kept in the box. So that's why I went out to start doing my own thing with through physics and um, go from there. But yeah, I mean, the, I think every teacher has the opportunity to reach every corner of the earth i mean the you're doing it right now through steam up the classroom through podcasts i mean i i bet you you've got a bunch of listeners all right across the world it wouldn't just be in the u.s um and and likewise with the physics ed podcast um but people can also do these things through youtube i mean for example there's a a fantastic maths teacher mathematics teacher uh called eddie Wu, who um is in, quite famous in australia um now but he runs this uh youtube channel called WooTube because his name's Eddie Wu. Uh, <laughs> YouTube is, was designed because he just wanted his students in high school to understand mathematics. He wanted just to simply help them know how maths works. And the thing is, it got a bit of a roll on. And all of a sudden, tens of thousands of people are tuning in and subscribing to his YouTube channel out of his classroom. That's so cool. About how to move energies around and how mathematics actually works properly. He is a teacher. I mean, I don't believe, unless I've, unless I've missed something, I don't think he's running a business anyway. He just simply just wanted to teach people. And that's exactly what he did. And it's going well outside of his school. And I think every teacher has that opportunity to do this through audio, through podcasts. They can do it through YouTube. They can do it through blogging. They can do that. And mm-hmm. they can reach so many people that in some ways you may never connect with, but you will make an impact. Yeah, that's so true. That's nice. Um, let's change, let's, let's change the topic just a little bit and dive into, I want to, I want to know some, some deeper quest. I have some deeper questions for you. So 
Now that I know that you have reached the four continents instead of just two, uh, what would you view as universal obstacles towards science education versus what you're specifically facing in Australia? Mm. I can assume that the education systems are pretty different between all the different countries that you've um, been able to uh, teach physics ed in and um, you know, but I assume that they all kind of face similar obstacles. Did, have yeah, you seen do. it? Um, I mean, the one that's the easiest one, so the, the lowest hanging fruit, so to speak, would be always the forever budget. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, budget is the obvious one um, to always tout out. And it's true. And it's not just for resources. It's for uh, funding for teachers to not only stay in the profession, but also grow. Um, mm -hmm. And not from just from a salaried point of view, it can also be to be able to go to professional development opportunities or, you know, you know connect with other colleagues, all, all that sort of stuff. I mean, funding is perpetually going to be an issue and is found in most nearly every country I've ever heard of. I mean, I mean, I mean, a lot of people look to Finland as the place that, you know, incredibly Finns, you know, the Finns do a fantastic job. Yes. Getting, you know, from a, from a funding point of view, but the, I, I mean, I kind of feel that um, that brings in the second point, which influences the first, which is the political cycle. <laughs> so without getting yeah. into politics and starting that huge uproar, that can always be the case. Um, irrespective of the country that you deal with. Cause I mean, the thing is like we do video conferencing into all sorts of countries, whether it's um, South Korea or wherever it is. Um, the political climate massively has a huge impact um, of on funding and also opportunities within specific in particular industries. So the, mm -hmm. what we do sadly see is that you see some fantastic programs, whether outreach in reach or whatever that whatever's going on they can be heavily impacted on um, the political climate. I mean, maybe they may change direction in a particular country of whatever it is and either education suffers or grows as a, as a consequence. So um, yeah. I'd say those two things are heavily paired together. Um, I don't believe for one instant that there's a single teacher on the planet who doesn't want to do good for their students. It doesn't matter right. what culture it is. And it doesn't really matter what key learning area they're working on either. Uh, those two areas, funding and political stuff, I think really trickles down all the way down to what actually happens in the classroom. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of the political, um, like there's just different programs too. And when there's different people in office or different um, laws that are put through um, or different programming, it, it definitely affects. Um, one of the nearby towns um, near me, I actually just found out that they they cut their art program for certain um, grade levels and then they also cut their music program so if kids want to play instruments or anything like that they have to go out of school hours to the schools instead of having it um, during the school day which is just like a shame and and I've worked in schools where science doesn't exist and yes, it's yes. just on uh, worksheets which is so sad because the kids instead of actually doing the experiments or anything like that they would just look at the pictures of the steps on the worksheets and try and deduce whatever it is that they're learning 
on those um, or even the teacher's the one that does the experiment in front of the kids and the kids just sit back and watch without actually doing anything hands-on and it's just it's hard and I think it's frustrating too as a teacher and it definitely definitely um, causes teachers to feel like they're not making a difference and, and maybe even switch careers or, or things like that um, because of wanting to be able to make a difference but not being able to because of restrictions like that and my one of my actually not one of my my all-time favorite tv show is parks and recreation i don't know if you've ever yes. seen it but yes. there's at the very end like the last episode of the whole series they're looking to the future they're like pretending they're in the future um several years ahead uh and one of the characters on it is a teacher and i'm probably not going to say the quote directly the right way but he basically says um like they just don't teach math anymore they they've cut math and <laughs> as much as that is supposed to be comedic at the same time it sometimes worries me that it might come true you know what i mean like will it what if what if funding is cut and they just don't teach science anymore or they don't teach math anymore because they're already not teaching arts and music in in schools like those are always seem to be the first to get cut and if you can't afford science experiments like um where i've taught before then you're kind of not really teaching science the way that you would dream about and the kids dream about so are you teaching science you know what i mean like i don't know so no, I feel, I exactly, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, the, I mean, there are there are certain certainly there'll be also the high the interest side of things where I, I know that you'll often see that when a school changes principal, sometimes where they change their direction, and that's understandable because mm -hmm. I mean that comes from an executive level, but certainly creating capacity within um, whether it's elementary, middle school, high school. I mean, especially I mean, I like focusing a lot on the elementary and middle school area, um, creating capacity to be able to delivers science without the fancy stuff is something that's very close to heart with us. I mean, this is the thing like we'll come out to a school as an outreach organization and have all the, all the whiz bang fun, huge, awesome things. I mean, that's our job. However, right. um, one of the most rewarding things that I actually do in this organization is doing teacher professional learning days. I mean, I just got back from Melbourne. I just flew back um, uh, like Friday night from running a, um, a, a full day accelerator for teachers in West Melbourne, across West Melbourne. And so they come in for the day and it's the first thing is we will not show you stuff that cannot be found in the local corner store. Oh, perfect. First up. Uh, secondly, um, if you can't afford those bits and pieces because of different bits of funding and budget, we're going to show you how we're going to do science literally with your art stuff. <laughs> with That's your, cool with the bits and pieces that are hanging around in your cupboard that you probably have anyway, that yeah. hasn't been dedicated for a, you know, quote unquote science project, because when it comes down to it, um, understanding how science works, which is truly just how to fairly test a given question, change one thing and see the result. That is the essence of science. It's not really the, here's my fancy stuff. And so we really do. And I personally do love running those sessions because we know that, Obviously, yeah, coming out to a school to excite students around a given topic, I mean, that's our bread and butter, but to be able to say, here's how we actually truly understand science to be, irrespective budget levels, means that 
any teacher or regional director or whoever they are can inspire hundreds and frankly in a, like a day like that i don't know our impact you know we, we had you know you know only about 20 odd teachers in the room but really we we're impacting 20 odd schools hopefully mm -hmm. with the yeah. idea that's you know thousands of students because at you what, what i love about these days you watch light bulbs turn on because people walk into the room with a particular idea of what they think science might be. And, uh, and it's really based on their previous experiences as, as all our ideas are. <laughs> uh, and they what they remember of science being was what happened in high school before they went into, um, you know, becoming a, a primary or slash elementary teacher. Um, mm -hmm. But then seeing that, you know what, there are other ways to teach science that engage kids incredibly well and don't cost the earth because at that point you then skip the funding and political side because you don't need to worry about that as long as the, you're got time to put it into your particular curriculum unless they yeah. you're actually forbidden to teach science which would be incredibly <laughs> sad <laughs> that, that, yeah. that to me is that that's a you'll end up as a strange underground movement because i can't see it completely dying <laughs> but the um but you can always wrap science into your other lessons and knowing that you don't need fancy stuff. That's where we can accelerate kids understanding. Yeah. And I also feel like having that type of professional development opportunity for the teachers is almost a relief that they can still make a huge impact and still teach amazing science lessons, even without the fancy, science um you know materials or the fancy lab room and, and things like that like Absolutely. i love i love doing lessons that i um like i say like oh things that you can find under your kitchen sink like things you can find around the house and it's kind of funny i've become kind of um notorious for being like a cardboard person and in my school with cardboard teacher, like when cardboard comes in, everyone already knows like, Oh, that's headed to Tori's room because of how much I love using cardboard because everyone has it. You know, everyone's always ordering stuff from Amazon and like a thousand boxes a day. And then they all have their, their recyclables and all, all, all sorts of different things. And then I had, I um, went to a school event, um, like a beginning of the school event, beginning of the school year event um, the other day. And I had a few parents coming up to me saying like, Hey, do you need anything? Like, do you need craft materials? Do you need like old Legos, like anything like that? And I was like, I will take all of that. And I will absolutely use all of that. Anything that you want to get rid of in your house, you just let me know. <laughs> well, totally so. I mean, could be turned into marble runs. I mean, I've seen marble runs. Uh, there are free, um, what do you call them, nets or something, where you cut it out and you fold it up in certain ways so that you can um, kids can test uh, potential versus kinetic energy, and that's done with cardboard. I mean, actually, you know what, Tori? How about we just, just for the sake of going down a rabbit hole, why don't we just, I'm, I'm going to describe a quick experiment that anyone can do that hits the heart of the misconceptions of how gravity works. And it oh, yeah, please with do it with a book and a piece of paper because every school, unless you have no books and it does happen, there are places in Africa where that's the case, but <laughs> unless you, you, I'm sure you got access to paper and a book. Now here's what, imagine this. So he set the scene. So you got students in front of you and you hold a piece of paper and a book in front of the students and go, right. Point to the one that will fall down faster. And the kids will point to the book and you'll ask why. And they'll all say it's heavier. Mm -hmm. 
It is heavier. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So you hold the books out, put one book out in one hand and the paper in the other hand, you hold them out directly in front of you. So they're both the same height. So therefore you are fairly testing this experiment and you let it go. And lo and behold, of course, the book drops to the ground first. And you ask the kids why? And they go, of course it was heavy. Now, if you stop at this point, at this moment, the kids then think heavier things fall faster than light things. Yeah. That was just demonstrated to them. And at this point, you'd potentially reinforce a misconception about how gravity works. And then ask the kids, well, right, well, we dropped the two things next to each other um, and we saw something, but we haven't actually done science. All we've done is a test. We haven't changed the experiment yet. Because once you change one thing and see the effect, then you're doing real science. So right, let's um, change, change it up. What if we pick up a piece of book, paper and get our book and we hold it up again? What if we put the paper underneath the book and we drop the book and the paper in like a little stack together? What will happen next? And the kids will go, well, the paper will hit the ground first because it's seriously, dude, it's, it's underneath the book. <laughs> so you do it, you, you <laughs> drop it and it hits the ground. You ask the kids, okay, they, they both dropped at the same speed. Why? And the kids inevitably will say, because uh, the book was pushing down on the paper because the book is heavier than the paper. And that mm -hmm. makes logical sense, yeah? Okay, yeah. so what if we put the paper on top of the book now? So you put the paper on top of the book, you hold it out the same height as you've done with the other two experiments, you let it go, and the paper follows the book at the same speed. They go together. Mm -hmm. Now, at this point, you watch the kids' jaws drop because you're messing <laughs> around with a piece of paper in a book, and yet you've gone against what they expected. And now they've got to explain what they're seeing. So the paper went down at the same speed as the book. Basically the paper is almost like it's connected to the book. It just drops at the same speed. You have to say to the kids, why did this happen? And suddenly I don't care whether they're grade two or grade eight. Someone in the room, hundred percent will say air wasn't getting to the paper. They'll say it in some sort of language, but that's pretty much what they'll say. Mm -hmm. And they're right. Air wasn't getting to the paper. And so two things of different, arrangements and masses of particles or whatever it is have fallen at the same speed but the thing is we haven't really proved this yet okay yeah you're right so air got to the book but the air didn't get to the paper and they all felt the same speed is this a fair test or not and the kids will go no because air was at hitting the book but it wasn't hitting the paper so it's not fair okay so let's finally finish this off so you get the piece of paper and you scrunch it into a tiny little ball and you put the little ball of paper to one side and the book to another side. You lift them up in the air at the same height and you drop them at the same time. And the scrunched ball of paper hits the ground just as fast as the book next to it. And what you've now finally shown is that the air resistance is what was actually slowing down the paper because now you can open up that scrunched ball of paper, repeat it yet again. And of course the book hits the ground first and this opened up bit of paper floats down slowly because you're showing that it's air resistance that slows stuff down. And so from a very simple, 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 simple setup, kids now understand that everything actually accelerates due to the, you know, <laughs> due to gravity yeah. at the same rate. It's air that makes a difference and you've just shown it and you've broken a misconception, which I guarantee you that you can survey kids over half the kids that enter high school all think heavy things fall faster than light things. Mm -hmm. And you just do it with two simple things. That's cool. And it's, you know, anybody can do that. Anyone can have that lesson. Yeah. I mean, the thing if is you like, you don't need to have a fancy science kit. Yeah. And there can be, there are hundreds of experiments that are as simple as that. And their job is to target misconceptions. Um, yeah. As long as you're fairly testing it and you're changing one thing and seeing the effect, you are doing true science. You just don't need the fancy bubbling beakers. True. 
That's absolutely true. So cool. Um, if anyone tries that experiment, let me know on Twitter or send me pictures or whatever like that. Cause I kind of want to, I want to like, I feel like, I mean, you've motivated me to try something like that too. So if anyone does that, let me know no, before we wrap, before we wrap up though, I do want to, um, I do want to ask you about your future plans. So since you're in the U S now, do you have any plans to come over to my side of the U S and the East coast or into the Boston area? I'd love to. It'd be unreal. I mean, um, I mean, initially and just pragmatically, um, currently we're in the West Coast and um, we would probably have to fly over and bring our, you know, boxes of tricks. Over there, so, to speak. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, we would have that capacity now. Um, but of course, there'd be a co there'd be costing within that. So probably the way that would be done would be via a number of schools banding together and going, hey, we've got we can share our budgets. And what if this group of people then bounce between schools and do some things. Maybe we could do some teacher professional learning because that is something which is really floats our boat. I mean, you can probably tell that in hundred percent. And we could easily, and we do like in Australia, we fly around Australia to do exactly the same thing. I wasn't kidding you. I just got back from Melbourne. I live in Sydney. I just flew back from Melbourne like you know, Friday night, but doing exactly the same thing. So there's no reason why we couldn't do that in anywhere in the US or Canada or wherever else this podcast goes, as long as there's some budget to cover the, the flights. Um, in terms of doing um, delivery week to week, day to day in the area, just saying if it was in Massachusetts, whatever, um, it's as simple as creating the need. So if people are actually going, hey, we want to do it, we want to do it, we want to do it. We then have, if there's actually like bookings ahead, and this is exactly how physics has grown, is we've taken bookings in spaces where we have no staff. And the way it's mm -hmm. done is it's usually done with, it's like, okay, yeah, we can do this in six months time or eight months time or whatever it is. Because what that means, that requires us to then go, right, well, we've got a site that now needs us. And especially if there's, if it's not more than just one day, it means there's a budget to go, you know what, there's a potential to employ local science teachers, yeah. local museum science communicators, whoever we might be to then begin as casual educators with physics with the right appropriate training and everything else they will then be able to deliver that program that's experienced the same way for hundreds of thousands of students all over you know across the globe um yeah. and so that's how we would do it um and it sounds flippant just to say it that way but i know through doing this <laughs> that that's pretty much how how, how the company grows that's pretty cool though. Actually asking us to do it that's really cool well um i mean you're always welcome to come to my classroom and uh, my administrators are incredibly supportive, so um, they would totally welcome you <laughs> to come visit. Um, so I feel like we might have already answered this question, but do you have any, like, what are your future plans for physics ed? Do you have any, anything big that's coming up that you want to tell people, people about or, or do you have any big projects that are coming down the pipeline? Anything, anything? Um, our big project right now is, um, is really just building the capacity of the company to deliver in any space. So um, that would be specifically right now. I mean, there's, there, is, there are two focuses. There's definitely physics, USA um, to grow that spot um, and to be able to help out, help and impact as many kids as we can in um, Southern California and then go from there. So that's the immediate goals for the, the US branch. Within Australia, it's, it's roughly the same thing. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. In some ways we have answered that question. Um, I 
you know, yeah, it's only you hear people going, hey, what's, what's your three-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the big, hairy, audacious goal would be to be in more places and in, in, in everything being functional. What, I, what has happened is that um, we've created the, at least the ability in this year for our most experienced staff um, to have not be needed face-to-face all the time in the classroom, but to be able to teach other stuff and very much so teach professional learning events because that's something we definitely want to grow because we know that its impact is far greater than the day that we actually do. Excuse me. Um, So that is something I'd love to do more of because I, we get the most um, benefit out of just knowing that we're teaching people how to fish, so to speak. Um, And we'd happily do that day after day after day in any location. Um, So yeah, if you are listening and you're wondering, uh, you know, who's this strange place that can't spell physics properly, (laughs) how you can connect with us. Absolutely. If you, um, if you were in the Australian region or to be honest, the Southeast Asia, because you know, we pretty much would fly without much drama around it anywhere around here. Um, just look up physicseducation.com.au, spell F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S, education.com.au, and just hover your mouse over schools. You'll see teacher professional learning over there, and that would be awesome. And to be honest, the same thing. If you go onto the US, just look, type in physicseducation.com, and you'll find a different-looking website, because we're going to just the thing, and you will find um, that there are opportunities. I mean, you'll see it's nowhere near as big as the Australian website purely because we've only just started doing stuff in California. But, and just reach out, uh, tell us what you'd like us to do and then we'll create something for you. That's so cool. And then if people want to get in um, contact with you, how would they do that? Sure. The easiest way is pretty much the way we connected, actually, I'd say through Twitter. So, um, of course, you know, I hang out on Twitter. I mean, sometimes I might not be there on for, for a couple of days, but, you know, I, I do. I do hang out on Twitter. So, if you, if you and a lot of teachers do, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, if you just look up at Ben Newsom with an, then an underscore. So, B-N, then N-E-W-S-O-M for Mary E. Uh, you'll see you know, me smiling away and whatever I've been doing lately. And that's what you're doing. <laughs> connect um or you're more than welcome to reach out to me at um through my email ben.newsome at physicseducation.com.au um or if you need to get in touch i mean i i I won't give my number not because i'm trying to hide from you it's because i'm in front of teachers or i'm off i'm running programs so uh i would contact if you're in australia on 1-300-856-828 and if you're in the u.s because you know a number of you are in the u.s (laughs) and that Mm -hmm. might be you um how to reach us bear with me like number off off the top of my head so the number is uh in brackets 661-523-8720 you'll be able to speak with Jeanette she's awesome and she'd love to help you out in the US amazing and if anyone would like to be in touch with me you can find me on twitter at steam up the clsrm or you can head over to my website um steamuptheclassroom.com Ben, this has been amazing, and um, and I'm going. I'm about to record, uh, and on Ben's side, so I'll be the interviewee, and um, for his episode. So, guys, definitely have a listen um, to that episode that's coming out soon on the Physics Ed podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks again, Tori, for um, inviting me on. And uh, glad for everyone who was able to listen to our very strange little organization. <laughs> that stuff and um uh, you know I hope, I hope you got a little bit out of it um love to chat with you another time
yeah, this has been amazing. All the best.